Hi, and welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Mitzi Vargas. And today, I hope I'm not going to be ranting too much, but I would like to talk about following your vet recommendations. And your doctor, you know, physicians, you know, give you some advice. Sometimes they give you some prescriptions. And, you, you know, if it's for us or our family, we go fill the prescriptions up and take it as indicated. But when it comes to us vet veterinarians, we find that a lot of our patients, they um, take some liberties with our prescriptions. And unfortunately, that could affect um, the patient's health and, of course, the outcome of many of the cases. So today, I wanted to speak specifically on the topic of prescription diets. The reason we have prescription diets, diets is because there's certain diseases that even uh, the there's a lot of scientific uh, proof that certain nutritional components can affect um, that disease, either halt the progression of it, reverse in some cases, or at least ameliorate some of the um, other side effects or symptoms like decrease the frequency or the intensity. There are multiple prescription diets in the market, multiple brands and multiple actual prescriptions that deal with certain diseases. One of the common ones is the kidney disease diet. The kidney disease diet, the same as the liver diets, are specifically created to produce less phosphorus and certain amount of um, uh, other electrolytes. Um, they are lower protein. And because the protein is a big molecule and, and it's very valuable to the synthesis and the production of muscles, um, then that's why we have to keep, right? Protein is expensive to lose. And unfortunately, you know, some people, when we prescribe the diet, let's say if it's a cat or a dog, and we prescribe, um, Purina has a brand called NF, um, which is NF is for the uh, kidney disease. So we prescribe the diet, and it comes in cans, and it comes in dry, and some owners take the liberty to add chicken to it. Oh, the pet's not eating it, or is bored from eating it. So they add different things and some add-ons or or um, foods that they use to entice the pets are okay i guess some are worse than others but invariably they are changing the original uh, thought that we put in the nutrition components that we are trying to use to heal that disease so, in other words, if you have a low-protein diet and you add chicken, which is protein, then you are increasing the amount of protein that that pet is eating, which in the beginning, that's what's causing the disease, or at least it's not helping the disease. Maybe not cause the disease, but uh, it, it didn't help. Same thought process with the neuro diet. So, there are neuro diets from um, Royal Canine and I mean, and Purina has the neuro, the cognitive uh, diet. They're higher in vitamin E. They have other things that, um, like omega-3s and 6s in, in, in certain 
order and people then add on some supplements. Let's say they add on uh, some omega supplement. Well, if the diet already had a lot of supplementation with omega fatty acids, then the component that you're adding, the supplement, may increase certain omegas in a different ratio that was intended. So it's not that it's horrible to give uh, fatty acids on top of the food, but if you are taking care of a disease like seizures where um, the quality of the blood that goes to the brain is super important, and so if there's a lot of fat in there, then um, your brain is not receiving the nutrients that it needs, um, the flow of blood is compromised, well, then you're going to affect this. You're not going to get the full benefit of the diet. So I want all my listeners to cooperate <laughs> with your veterinarian. And if uh, you get um, a prescription for a diet and you have some concerns that your pet's not going to eat, talk to your vet because I know when they come to me, I look my Chinese um, food therapy guidelines. And if we're going to add something, we're going to try to do it uh, harnessing the energetics of the food stuff that is going to help heal or halt the disease process. In other words, if you are trying to take care of an um, allergic dog with the DD diet, say Hills has a dermatological diet, if you're doing that and you're adding um, other things to it. Let's say, for example, you wanted to add um, uh, some treats and you thought, well, it's just, uh, I read in the internet, it's great for, um, um, you know, aller allergies, but the energy of that food might be warm. So, for example, if it's an allergic, uh, allergic dog and you are giving him a prescription like... Um, Low uh, residue, uh, Purina has one, um, HA, I think its name, and uh, Royal Canine has another one, and DD diet, like I mentioned before. Watermelon might be a very good option. So if you wanted to give something that is not the food, you could do watermelon. You can also use the food, for example, the dry food, add water to it, um, or add an egg white and try to make it into a cookie by baking them uh, that way. Shape it and bake it that way. Use the canned food actually would be even easier using the canned food of the same diet, same prescription, but in canned food and add some egg white, shape it into cookies and use those for cookies. If there's nothing else that they can um, eat, because let's say it's a food trial. So in a food trial, for the next uh, six to eight weeks, you're only going to eat that food. And you're going to wait to see if the symptoms of itch or redness or if it's ear problems, if all of those are going to disappear. So of course, you have to be true to the food trial. If you don't, you're going to affect the outcome of it. And maybe we thought it was a food allergy and because you cheated and you did not tell the doctor, the doctor then thinks, well, it didn't get improved. So it's probably not a food allergy. It's probably environmental. So that's what I'm talking about. When you're not transparent in your what you're doing at home 
and you do not share it with the doctor, then the one that suffers is your pet because the outcome is not the one that we all wanted. So again, I hope I wasn't ranting too much today, but um, it's very stressful to all of us. And we, as veterinarians, we really want what's best for your pet and we need you. Without you, the pet parent, we can't um, achieve what we want, which is a healthy and happy pet. Hi, and welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Mitzi Vargas, and today we're going to talk about a fairly common problem with dogs. Uh, it is basically ear problems, yeah, ear infections. And why are some dogs uh so predisposed to chronic ear infections. And you're going to say, well, Dr. Vargas, why talk about such a common occurrence and, and there's so many Western approaches to it? Well, because uh, it's fun to see a regular problem that is fairly common here in Florida, uh, but treated with the integrative approach. And um, that is where the difference is made, where we don't see this uh, super chronic infections in the ears and we don't let or allow these dogs to get the ear canals so thickened and so mal misshapen and malformed and swollen that they end up requiring surgery to open their ear canals, an ablation of the ear canal. And so that, to me, is an extreme. It's definitely, definitely a solution that is available with Western medicine, but how can we prevent these dogs from getting these chronic infections? I think even how do we uh, go further than this? The prequel, before the problem, the prequel, right? The prequel of the ear infection show is... Um, let's find predisposing factors. So the ears are the domain of the liver, right, and the gallbladder. If you look at the gallbladder meridian, it circles around the ears. And, of course, we can name gallbladder one uh, very close to the ear, um, the lateral cantus of the ear, point to Schwinn. Um, but then we name gallbladder two, which is at the base, lower base of the ear, where it attaches to the skull. And then it kind of like goes around um, to the back of the ear. And then it, obviously we have gallbladder 20, which is a very important point for wind. Um, and wind, of course, is an excess in the gallbladder. And it could be external or internal. So itch is one of the components of the ear infections. They're very itchy. They're scratching. Sometimes they self-mutilate. Why? It's the external wind. And gallbladder 20 is the wind pond. It's the big uh, point for uh, the treatment of wind that it is very close. Lo localization is uh, really uh, the main ticket to treat the problem which meridians goes to your problem always think that when you have a problem a chronic problem which meridians goes through your problem the you know physical pathway of energy so of course we know that around the year small intestine 19 ends ventral to the tragus so that is um, the heart cartilage of the base of the ear and so ventral to the tragus is a small intestine 19 and of course 
the cranial and dorsal base of the ear where it touches to the skull is the region or, or the domain of the triple heater because triple heater has a triple heater 21 there. So we have a small intestine 19, triple heater 21, also triple heater 17, which be the point exactly ventral to the external ear canal or the ventral base of the ear where it attaches to the skull in between the TMJ and the mastoid process. So these are the anatomical considerations that I want you to imagine the pathways of these three young meridians and youngs are great for um, relieving excesses. And of course the chronic ear infection is an excess guys. It's an excess of external wind and of damp, damp or damp heat, mostly damp heat. And damp and damp heat are just infection, right? It's a, it's a pathogen, an external pathogen. In dogs, it's usually yeast and bacteria, different bacteria, rods and cocci, right? We have had culture, everything, pseudomonas from really resistant ones, MRSA, MRSP, you know, from very resistant ones. And, but why do we get to the resistance? It's because things like Claro and um, Mometamax and all of these multipotent uh, prescription treatments for the ear infections, they have usually an antibiotic an ant or two, and they might have a steroid and uh, an antifungal. And so I use Claro. Let me just be clear. I do. I use Claro when appropriate. But how do we go in the prequel, the identification of these dogs that are going to have chronic ear problems? Let's go back to our constitution. So if the domain of the ear, the liver, includes the ears then and the gallbladder, it includes the ears, then wood personalities are going to be pretty much affected when the wood is... Um, out of control, it affects earth. So we see a lot of earthy dogs like golden retrievers come for chronic ear infections. We also see woody dogs like German shepherds, even though they have erect ears, um, they do have a lot of problems with the ears. Um, we do see, um, uh, you know, some fiery dogs, very hyper, you know, happy-go-lucky um, papillons and Uh, cocker spaniels a lot of cocker spaniels are either wood or fire and so these dogs are and some of them are earth i should say but the personality kind of like when you're meeting those puppies for the first time then you kind of like have an idea uh intuitive knowing of what are going to be some cer certain things that are going to affect this pet And here in Florida, jumping in the pool, going in the lake, those are predisposing factors to ear infections because in these kind of dogs that have the long ears like um, golden retrievers and um, beagles and the dogs that have droopy ears and long ears tend to block any air, block any light from the ear canals. And so, of course, if it's dark and moist, it's going to grow yeast. Um, if it's dark and moist, it's very habitable environment for bacteria. The pH of the ear is very important as well. The right pH will repel a lot of pathogens. When the pH changes, then that's when we see the problems 
in the skin and also the ears. Um, allergies. Allergies are an excess too. So it's an external wind, excess, and it could be wind heat. So it could be seasonal, to so be seasonal in the spring, wind heat, or in the summer. Um, and so we have to just kind of like be ahead of the problem. So, of course, we advise our owners to clean their ears, you know, once a week to put cotton balls and cover the ear canals before having some uh, a bath or some grooming. And afterwards, to the grooming and the bath, to dump, just really just dump some ear cleaner. And it could be any ear cleaner. I prefer the ones that change the uh, pH to acidic, so they're more antifungal in that sense. And even good uh, diluted vinegar and alcohol blend um, will be like 40% alcohol, of course, not 70. Um, that could be a good way to clean the ear. Of course, you know, if you have a chronic infection, I tend to culture it because I come in early. Okay, why is it we're doing the ear cleaning, you're not letting them swim, um, we're doing some basic hygiene and grooming and you still have this ear infections we do a cytology that we can do in-house and you, we all do it in-house and we see if it's yeast if it's bacteria bacteria is most concerning to me so when i see bacteria then i culture i, I take another sample send it to the lab culture it the benefit of it is that the lab makes me a sensitivity panel and it tells me what medications exactly the dosages even and the frequency to give it what medications are going to be effective then of course using that I, they can prepare the the um, compounding pharmacies can prepare a, a specific customized blend of pharmaceuticals that is going to take care of that infection so you will avoid the recurrence because if i give you Clara sounds great, it's wonderful, but if you have a bacterial infection that is resistant to the Claro, every time I use the Claro, I'm strengthening the bacteria, and you're wasting a lot of money and time, and the pet is suffering. So definitely culture and sensitivity might be thought about an expensive step, but it definitely is cheap when, it, when you think about the future problems that you save with it. Um, so definitely... Once we do the, the treatment of the ear, and if it's customized treatment, we see resolution immediately. Then we can mitigate any factors like don't, you know, don't let them swim, or if they swim, after they come in, rinse the ears so that you change the pH so that you evaporate with the alcohol or the uh, stringent solutions that are for ear cleaning. It will dry up the ear canal so it doesn't stay moist. Shaving some of the inner ear, the pinna, will help because it would just create some air, you know, into that area. Um, now, the herbal ear um, damp heat is a great herbal formula, and it really helps those dogs that are cocker spaniels or golden retrievers that have had several ear infections. So after you've done the culture, done everything, then do ear damp heat uh, formula. It's really good. It actually balances your liver, chi, um, and clears heat from the liver and the gallbladder. So it definitely is a good option. Now, can we do other herbs like long dang qigan, which is a detoxifying from the liver? Yes. 
Can we deliver happy, which is um, uh, more milder, I guess, uh, formula for deliver? Yes. So those are things that we can think about. Can we do shayasan in a earthy dog that is having all these chronic ear issues? Yes, because shayasan will deal with spleen and liver disharmonies. And sometimes we're thinking only GI, but some of the manifestations are not GI problems. Some manifestations are ear problems. So um, there are topical herbals that you can use um, or, or preparations that you may want to use, but I kind of stay away from it because my approach works wonderful. So how can we clear the heat from the ears? We can use level two from the five command points. We can do level twos like um, those that go around the ears. So we're, I would think SI2, um, triple heater two, and um, we could do gallbladder um, 43. Those would be my choices, liver two as well. And those will clear the heat from those meridians that go through the ear. So that would be something that I would add to my regular ear cleanings. So integrative medicine means that I'm going to do what's best for my patient. And that might include cultural sensitivity, cytologies, um, customized treatments, and uh, perhaps um, acupuncture every time they come. So you can just do aquapuncture. B12 is wonderful. Um, so I hope that this helped just to look at a common problem like ear infections with a different perspective, like the TCVM or integrated medicine perspective. They really help refresh our edges, you know, as a clinician. And if you are a pet owner listening, you know, there's if, if you continuously have the same problem, then you need a different approach, right? Because you're always going to get the same results if you keep... Uh, you know, doing the same things. So I hope you learned something today. And if you have any questions, please hit us on one of our platforms. You know, we're in Facebook, TikTok, we're in uh, YouTube. Um, and of course, in all the podcast platforms available. Thank you. Subscribe and please share the content. And you can save one pet life. Thank you. And remember that from now on, we're going to be uh, downloading every Friday a brand new episodes. So you can be on the lookout for them. Uh, in the meantime, visit our Facebook page, the Pet Healer Podcast page. Uh, we also have a website, thepethealerpodcast.com. And uh, it, we are in most platforms, so you can uh, enjoy our topics. Thank you, and until next time, take care. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Information about this episode came from my book, Altvet, the Revolutionary Pet Care and Longevity Solution, available in Amazon at our clinic and soon to be an audiobook. So look forward to that. And this episode was sponsored by my practice, Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And our website is www.osahvsinvictorets.com. Dot com osavets.com there's a lot of information out there if you want some more information on integrative pet healing and our pet healer podcast is going to be available in all platforms so we're looking forward to seeing you again <laughs>